Hello and welcome to Her Ambitious Career, the success podcast for corporate women who want more from their lives and careers. Each week, we share career and leadership strategies to help you set stretching goals, own your value, build visibility and credibility, gain recognition, get paid and confidently take your career to that next level. Whatever your ambition, let's do this thing. Now, here's your host and career success expert, Rebecca Allen. Ladies, welcome back on into the final segment of our three-part series, How to Become an Influential Board Member. And I'm joined today by Lisa Cook. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Rebecca. It's great to be here. This is our final installment. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. We've covered an awful lot of ground. We have. We have. It's been exciting. It has. And today we're going to be talking about how established board members really thrive and really add value. So once you've kind of been in the role for a year, say, you know, how can you actually really make the biggest impact? Mm-hmm. So what I thought would be actually really nice, Lisa, if we could start is if you could just share a bit of your own board experience um, with the listeners so that they can get an understanding of where you've come from. Okay. Um, so cast your mind back a very long time ago. <laughs> I actually started uh, my board career in sport, grassroots local club. Um, I was somehow by some miracle of miracles elected to vice president of a triathlon club. So talk about being thrown into a defense. That's where I started. I then, uh, and, and that was in New South Wales on the central coast before I moved here to Adelaide, South Australia. And once I moved here, to Adelaide, my expertise uh, got me onto the board of another club, a sport club, which was a soccer club that I was also playing at and team manager and board member. (laughs) So fully invested. Yeah, exactly, a full investment. Uh, So then I transitioned um, very serendipitously at the same time was approached by uh, two what I will call proper boards. And I define proper boards where you actually have staff in the business doing the work. Whereas when you're in sport club, anyone who's been involved with a sport club, you're doing and overseeing at the same time. You're doing the fundraising and then you're setting the fundraising strategy and then you're governing that and all of those bits and pieces. So this was really exciting to finally get into full proper governance mode. Um, Still as a volunteer though, but you had that situation where you weren't doing everything day to day, which was amazing to feel after many years. After all of that work. Yes. (laughs) So from there, so that was a not-for-profit organisation and the other was a community bank. So a community bank is a very kind of interesting organisation type where you are an unlisted public company, uh, a franchise, and you have a mandate to give back a certain amount of money to the community every year. 
So you're kind of straddling listed corporation, mm-hmm. franchise. Yes. And kind of operating as a not-for-profit sort of thing. Um, but you're not a not-for-profit. You're very much in corporation land. So that was interesting. I've then uh, sat on boards of philanthropic organisations, of other types of charities. I've sat on a national sporting body, which is actually Shooting Australia, and that was incredibly fascinating and just incredibly amazing as an experience. Um, I'm pretty much sure that is the extent of my board career. And I've also sat on things that aren't necessarily boards, but are board-like. So I was chairing a group called Western Business Leaders here in Adelaide, which was kind of like... um, the economic development group for the Western Adelaide region. So it wasn't necessarily a board. It was done with the councils in this area and I chaired that for a couple of years. And, yeah, so I've had such a broad mix of contexts and board types and org structures and all of that kind of mixed bag. People, you name it. Yeah, well, you definitely got the experience to, to share with us. So, um, so say, for example, you've been sitting now on a board for a while and you feel like you're kind of bedding yourself in, you're adding value, you're building the relationships. Um, what would you sort of say would be some good strategies to be focusing on, to be thinking about um, as you're kind of moving forward into that more longer term role? Absolutely. Um, I think that anything that's going to help you to be a great board member where you are at this point. So if we're talking about overarching strategy, that is your goal, is to keep learning, keep contributing, keep understanding what it means to be a great board member. And much of that is context specific, but a lot of it is not. And so We can get into those things. Um, What I want to call being a good board citizen. (laughs) So we talk about corporate citizens, um, good citizens in general. Let's think about being a good board citizen. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Um, it's, It's less about contributing in your area of expertise than it is about some of those softer skills, some of those social skills, the interpersonal things, like what makes a great team member? I'm thinking of things like you regularly attend the board meetings. You regularly attend the committee meetings. Like the bar is not high here, people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like show up. Show up. <laughs> show up and speak and contribute in a meaningful and relevant way. So keep that in mind. Always meaningful, always relevant. Um Adequately prepare for your meetings. You'll be amazed at how many people do not do that. Um, It's really risking your director's duties and responsibilities if you don't adequately prepare because then you can't sufficiently contribute, which means you're not meeting your director's duties. Mm. You're a breach of the law. You can get in trouble, okay? So you need to show a track record that you actually prepare and what that preparation is. Um, You don't overboard yourself. So you don't hold 
so many board positions that you can't do any of them really well. You're doing them all half-assed and you're not being a great board member everywhere. You're just being average. Would you say that being on one board is sensible at once or would you say, you know, is that, I mean, I know they're all varied. Yeah. In terms of the commitments, but you know, like that's such a, that's a, such a good point not to overboard yourself. Yes. And it depends. Again, it's, it's using your personal and professional judgment of what is your capacity. And you've always got to factor in that it might feel like this board right now is not too bad time-wise and maybe I could squeeze another one in. Hello, then you have a crisis. <laughs> COVID hits. Hey, now tell me how much time you have while you're trying to deal with the crisis yes. on this one board and this one organisation. So I always say it's not a matter of if but when you're going to face one of those crises and you never know where it's going to come from because it would be random and trust me on that, it's going to happen. Right. So, <laughs> so one board is sensible at once. It could be. One board. I would definitely recommend starting with that because yes. you don't know what could happen. And all of a sudden, this organization may um, enter this extraordinary growth phase where the board meetings, all of a sudden, now they're a full day once a month. Yes, they're really regular. Yeah. So that's and great. Then it, or that you're having to do teleconferences or Zoom conferences or something in between every other board meeting because there's just so much stuff going on or whatever. Give yourself a buffer and and don't feel that. So just be sensible. Love that. Um, Also things like being thorough and diligent. Um, You actually are using your skills and expertise to be proactive, to identify things, to uh, bring up something that you've seen or that you have a question about or that you've noticed in the industry. That's really why you're on the board. You're bringing that outside perspective in and contribute through that way as well. Uh, You maintain your independence. So board members are meant to be um, bringing an independent view and perspective and decision-making attribute into the boardroom. Um, It's why you have to declare your conflicts of interest. And if you don't understand conflicts of interest, go and do some research because a lot of people don't quite understand what conflicts of interest are and it's really important for you to know because that's another way that you can breach your director's duties and get into a lot of trouble. Uh, And I do have some articles on my website about conflicts of interest. You want to do everything that you can to really build and maintain and foster that environment of respect, of trust and of candour. If you haven't heard of candor, um, I would recommend looking into that. And it's a quality of being honest and telling the truth, especially about difficult or embarrassing or challenging subjects. So you need to have the uncomfortable conversations. Mm. You can't avoid it. I'm sorry, you're not allowed to. You're the director. Yeah, that's the whole point, you're isn't it? Is to yeah. confront those things that are not being confronted. Absolutely. Yeah. But always keeping in mind that you're respectful about it. Yes. You've got to have that balance. Um, Also, I love the art of practicing open dissent. So we're always um, conditioned to avoid conflict. Most of the time, I think our definition of conflict is uh, set too low or that we perceive things to be conflict when they're not. 
And so as much as you can, even before you get on boards, if you can find situations to um, get into a position of what you think is conflict and be able to walk through that and manage that in a meaningful, respectful way that doesn't get the emotion involved, that is a fantastic skill to develop. That's, that's going to help you in life, in the boardroom, in your professional day job, whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's about sort of depersonalizing feedback. You know, I think where people think there's going to be conflict, it's because it's some sort of personal attack on me or I'm going to personally attack you. But I think the thing that's interesting about influential communication is it's about really learning the skill of giving information, giving feedback that is not a personal attack on somebody. And also when you receive feedback to assume it's not a personal attack on you firstly, you know, because that can be your instinct to feel hurt, to feel embarrassed, to feel humiliated, even if somebody's doing it in a group environment. But I think always in your brain, you need to say to yourself, okay, this is not a personal thing on me. This is a comment that they're making generally. And you've got to kind of take that fuse away. Um, for there not to be that kind of conflict. Absolutely. And I feel like because we're not taught how to, I'm going to call it fight fair in in any context in the boardroom, that people might say, well, that what a stupid idea you've got there. That like we have to know that they're not necessarily thinking I'm stupid. Yes. So it's also um, setting your mindset in the way that you're not assuming that you mean one thing with what you say, you actually mean something else. Yes. Um, you know, some Absolutely. people are jerks though, so, you know. Absolutely. There's no avoiding that. Yeah, they'll show you who they are. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's having, um, it's knowing that the intention behind the message was something else that may not have been as clearly communicated because most of us aren't taught this skill. It's something we have to do. Um, And the book that I have over my shoulder here on fierce leadership, um, Susan Scott has Fierce Conversations, which is kind of a companion to that book, which takes you through through a process. I'm always recommending it um, of how to have those challenging conversations. And the more you do it, the more you have them, the more comfortable you'll get with them. I'll put a link in the show notes because I, I, I've not read Fierce Leadership. I have read Fierce Conversations. It's an outstanding book. It's such a good book. So, yeah, yes. I'll put the link into the show notes if you're looking for that, ladies. Absolutely. Um, and practice at home. You know, that's a good skill to practice. In a mirror. Or with, with your significant other. I mean, yes. if you can't do it there in a safe environment, you're not going to be able to do it anywhere. Yes. So. It's the kind of thing, it's one of those skills that you do get better at the more you practice it. Absolutely. I used to be a real people pleaser in that concept, in that uh, context, that you'd be worried about upsetting somebody. What will they think of me? You know, I don't want them to think badly of me, all those sorts of things that used to run through my mind. I don't think like that anymore at all. And it's partly because of that ability to seek uh, kind of an objective viewpoint on it and not take things personally. Um, Even if they are trying to be personal, I don't take it personally. (laughs) Yeah, because it just protects you. It creates that sort of boundary around you. I'm sure that's not what you really meant is a great way of getting your, you know, yourself out of that if they are being quite aggressive. Mm. I'm sure that's not really your intention because you can sort of say to them, that's what I'm receiving right now. You yeah. know, um, you come across quite aggressive, but I'm sure that wasn't your intention. It's a really kind of neat way of doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, we digress slightly. No, but uh, it's yeah, a good it, point. I, I think I want to interject there and say if you feel um, weird or there's like a friction with someone else on the boardroom, that's one of those uh, we talked about what things you can bring up publicly in the boardroom and what things you might want to keep private. After the board meeting or at a time between board meetings, get in touch with that board member and go, hey, I feel like there's a little friction between us. How about we catch up for a coffee or have a quick chat about how you and I can work together? Because I'm pretty sure you're not trying to annoy me. I'm not trying to annoy you. Like what's going on here? And getting to know and understand the mindset and the intention behind the the reason why people are in the boardroom and what they're trying to achieve can really help to ease some of that friction. And mm-hmm. I speak from personal experience. I come across a little bit um, hard nose around governance. I mean, surprise, surprise, I do it for a living. <laughs> so I'm going to be, uh, I kind of want to be like, deal with it. And then I had to sit down with another board member and say, look, everything I do and everything I, I say and recommend in the board is really coming from a place of what is best for the organization in the long run. And you need to understand that's where things are coming from. You Mm. also need to understand that I do governance for a living. And if there's a board that I'm on that has a huge governance issue, that's not going to be good. Yeah. Not just for me, but for the organization (laughs) as well. So just understand that. And that really helped them to not feel like I was just trying to come in here and assert my authority over everyone. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, rewinding slightly on what you just said, I think when you nip these things in the bud early, Mm-hmm. it's a much more effective approach than just sort of a, well it'll probably be all right by next the book next time we meet it'll probably be fine I think having that kind of little coffee meeting in the middle or a call yeah. or whatever you do just to iron out any friction is such a smart idea and then you can start afresh when you actually you know get back together as a group absolutely and that's really good practice for having those uncomfortable conversations yeah I love that great advice really like that highly recommend so um, what outcomes would you say you kind of want to be focusing on, like in terms of you kind of delivering and adding value as a kind of a helpful, responsible board member? What sort of, you know, what does good look like, I suppose? What should I be aiming for um, to know that I'm on track, to know that I'm adding value? Mm. I f- really feel like that is going to be, Uh, context specific and a personal assessment on that and hopefully your board is also undertaking a regular self-assessment or externally facilitated assessment of individual and group performance so that's going to be something that's going to be a direct feedback there Um, I feel like the work of the board and whether it's great or successful or not is really going to be reflected in what the organization is achieving and whether the organization is achieving what it's trying to achieve, yes. what the board said, yep, let's go for this. Here's our flag. We're gonna we're gonna work towards that. And if you're achieving that, and if um, you're hitting all of your goals and metrics as an organization, and the board is perceived by most board members to function well, that um, I nearly feel like a really good board is unnoticed is that you're kind of, you're the bumpers on the alley, like in the bowl, when you do temp in bowling yes, and you have the bumpers. Absolutely. 
that you're kind of there to keep things on track, but you're not closing it off. You're not getting in the way. You're not causing more problems and you're really enabling the organisation and the people in it to get done what they're trying to get done. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy, really great analogy. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me for this three-part series. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned an absolute stack of information. So if um, anybody wants to contact you, um, how can they do that? What's the best way? Yep, definitely jump on over to getonboardaustralia.com.au. Check out the website there. If you need to reach out, I do have a contact form there. It's the bottom of every page. You can find it. Um, I have my board talk Facebook community, which I encourage you all to get involved with. That is free as a bird. Uh, The podcast, Board Shorts podcast, I'd love it if you guys subscribe and work through the episodes there. I'm sure if you go all the way back to the first episode, it would be hoot and hilarious to hear (laughs) how how bad everything started, but we've got to start bad to get better. To get better, absolutely. And definitely check me out on LinkedIn. It'll be great to connect with you there. Lisa, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed that. It's just been so interesting and so practical. So thank you so much for all your preparation and for sharing so much value with us. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, Rebecca. So thank you. Wow. I have just totally loved that three-part series with Lisa Cook, all about how to become a more influential board member. We have covered such a lot of content. And Lisa has been so generous with all the strategies that she's supplied. I just can't thank her enough for all of her insights and to give us all that help in terms of, you know, establishing yourself as a board member and really becoming that valuable board member over time. So listen, if you're looking to get ahead in your career and take that step up too, then you might really love to download one of our most popular downloads, which is the seven habits of female execs who get promoted. It has got lots and lots of strategies in there to help you really kind of raise your visibility and credibility within your organization, be known to key decision makers and to land that promotion. All you have to do to get hold of that copy is go to rebeccasfreegift.com and straight away it will appear in your inbox and you'll be able to think about those strategies and how you can apply them today. So just head to rebeccasfreegift.com and I'll see you there.